After the Lord dried up the waters of the Jordan River, and the people of Israel crossed over into the Promised Land, they were poised for battle against the enemy. But it was then that God commanded their leader, Joshua, to do a very strange thing, to circumcise all the sons of Israel. Why in the world would that be the first thing he needed to do as their leader? Well, we'll find out today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Thank you for joining us today as he continues his powerful and timely series, Rising to the Challenge, a study of the book of Joshua. Now, in today's message, we'll learn why God calls us to be set apart, to celebrate his deliverance, and to wholeheartedly surrender to him in obedience and faith. Now, to the non-believer, that phrase may sound like religious mumbo-jumbo, but listen today and be open to hearing what God would have you to know. Just be open and listen. The message today is called First Things First, one of 10 in this series Rising to the Challenge, and you'll be inspired and challenged by this resource. It's our gift of thanks to you this month for your support of any amount to From His Heart. You can find out more when you go to fromhisheart.org. Now, though, open your Bible to Joshua chapter 5. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve to begin helping us learn how to be sure we're putting first things first. Now, it came about when all the kings of the Amorites, the Amorites were in Jericho and other places around there, but mostly uh, Amorites in Jericho, when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. So here they are, they've crossed the Jordan River, they're in the promised land. And so now they're at the place where it's like, okay, Lord, what do we do now? Do we just go immediately and go get the enemy? Because, I mean, we have all the momentum. You've just done such a, a marvelous miracle. And, and we know, Lord, that our enemies are scared to death. What do we do now? Israel has all the momentum. I mean, if you think about this in terms of a boxing match, the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites, all those ites that lived in the land of promise, those guys are on the ropes. They're ready to fall. And the question is, Lord, what do we do now? What is our next move, Lord? Do we go get them? And look what the Lord says, verse two. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make for yourself flint knives, and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haeraloth. Well, wait a minute, Lord, this, this doesn't sound like a good thing to do. I mean, we're getting ready to go into battle and you want us to do what? Circumcise all the men the second time? Now, don't read that to mean the second time like they had already had it done the first time. Um, that doesn't work that way. But this was the first time for them, but it was the second time for the children of Israel to receive that command. Hey, you're supposed to do this. Well, that's a strange thing to do when you're going into battle. You don't want to have elective surgery right before the big fight, right? Because that's going to knock you out for a while. I heard about two little boys. They were at the hospital, they were sharing a room 
They were getting ready for surgery. Both were getting ready for surgery. One little boy talked to the other little boy. He said, what are you in here for? They're about 9, 10 years old. He said, what are you in here for? He said, well, I'm getting my tonsils out. He said, I'm really pretty nervous about it. The other little boy said, oh, don't worry about that. I had my tonsils out a couple of years ago. He said, they put you to sleep through the whole thing. You wake up, you got a little bit of a sore throat. You have ice cream, popsicles. You'll be fine in a few days. He goes, oh, that's good. He said, what are you in here for? He said, well, I'm having a circumcision. Friend said to him, he goes, man, I had that done when I was born. Couldn't walk for a year. (laughs) It's a big deal to have that done. But that's what the Lord said to Joshua and Joshua did so. Hey, we want to talk today about first things first, first things first. What does God want to teach us between the Jordan River and Jericho? At a place called Gilgal, the place of, it's called the circle of stones or a place of rolling. What does God want to teach us? Because that's where they went. They crossed the Jordan and they came to Gilgal and they were there preparing to go to Jericho. Here's what the Lord is going to teach us today. Consecration comes before conquest and worship comes before warfare. And God's ways are not our ways because no general ever would circumcise his army right before the fight. But that's what God did. And so the Lord has things that he wants to teach us today. And I want you to notice with me three discoveries. What does God want from his people? Discovery number one, God wants his people to be set apart to him. His people to be set apart to him. Hey, if you want to walk in victory, if you want to experience the the victory of Jericho, so to speak, well, the first thing you got to do is consecrate yourself, set yourself apart. God wants you set apart as a people who are holy to himself. As he told uh, Moses, this people is going to be my possession, my special treasure. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who call on the name of the Lord for salvation, we are God's holy people. And God says, I want you to be separate to me. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. So God wants that from us. And the very first thing that God had them do in Gilgal was to be circumcised. Let's look at it. Verse four. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them all them, all the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished. Why? Because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Remember, they didn't go into the land when they were supposed to. They didn't believe God. And so God said, all right, you spied out the land 40 days. You're going to wander around in a circle for 40 years till all you men 20 years old and upward have died off. And your children, the ones you said were going to be uh, pray for the people of the land, they're the ones that are going in. 
And the Lord said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And verse 7 says, And the children whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. Now it came about when they had finished circumcising all the nations that they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Takes about 10 days or so to heal from that. Doesn't take a year. Takes about 10 days. And so Joshua did so. Now to understand circumcision, you have to go back to when it was first instituted. God gave that to Abraham as a sign of the covenant. This is what the Lord said to Abraham, very important passage in Genesis chapter 17. The Lord makes the Abrahamic covenant. He says this, no longer shall your name be called Abram. Remember before his name was Abraham, it was Abram. Abram, the name Abram means exalted father. It's kind of a uh, tough name to have because Abram didn't have any children. So he was barren. Uh, he and his wife, Sarah, was barren, and he didn't have any children, but he had the name Abram, exalted father, but he wasn't a father until he had a son by Hagar. And at this time, a Abram is 99 years old, and he has a son, Ishmael, who's 13 years old. But God still had a son for him, the son of promise, Isaac. And he says, your name, you no longer shall be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I will make you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come forth from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Now, here's the covenant. To be God to you and to your descendants after you, and I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God said further to Abraham, now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. That's the covenant. Here's the sign of the covenant. I'm going to be God to you and to your descendants. And here's the sign you need to be circumcised. To circumcise means to cut away. And the Lord is saying, hey, this is important. Why? Because it's a, it's a sign of you being separated to me. You being separated from sin and from the sin of the Canaanites all around you. And the, the sin of the Canaanites, the people that lived in the land, it was a very sexual society. And that's why the Lord said, you drive those people out. You don't let them stay in the land. Why? Because bad company corrupts good morals. And you don't pick up on their ways because their ways were ways of fornication. They were ways of adultery. They were ways of sodomy. And God says, don't do that. You're my people. And so circumcision hits on that. And it hits on the man for procreation to remember that he is to be holy to the Lord. So physical circumcision was a sign of the covenant. Now, Joshua was told to do that to the people, to the men, take all the men and circumcise them. Now, remember, they were supposed to do that. The command was at eight days. You have a baby boy, eight days after he's born, circumcise him. But they didn't do it. 
course, they didn't do a lot of things they were supposed to do. God says of that generation that Moses brought out of Egypt, he said, for 40 years, I loathed that generation. There are people who err in their hearts. They don't know my ways. And God said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. When they had a chance to go into the promised land, they said, God, you're not able. God, we don't believe you. We're going to get wiped out. We would that we had died in Egypt. Let's appoint a ruler and let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. And they would have killed Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb had it not been for the Lord showing up and intervening. It was serious business. You can read about that in Numbers 13 and 14. Man, God was uh, really upset. I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Well, when they turned back at Kadesh Barnea and didn't go in the land, they wandered around for 40 years. Well, they didn't obey the Lord in this sign of the covenant, which is circumcision. So now you have all these guys that grew up born in the wilderness, guys that grew up, and now they have to be circumcised. And so when the Lord says, Joshua, you do this, Joshua doesn't argue. He doesn't say, now, Lord, let's, let's think about this because uh, these people in Jericho, you know, if, if we're hurting them, we can't fight. This wouldn't be good. Joshua just obeys. He just says, okay, Lord, I'll do it. Doesn't make sense to me, but I will do it. Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Hey, there, there are two responses to the Lord when he says, do this. We either say, yes, Lord, or we say, no, sir. You can't say no, Lord, because as soon as you say no, he's not your Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? And this wasn't a, a minor thing that God was asking Joshua to do. It was a major thing, and Joshua did it. And he made the flint knives. I went on YouTube to see how you make a flint knife. You take a rock and you take a piece of flint and you hit a chunk out of that thing. That flint knife is sharp. And so he did that and he circumcised those guys and he did that. It says that in verse three, so Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haaraloth. You know what that means? It's the hill of the foreskins. I've been to Israel several times. We never go there. You know, I mean, I don't want to go. Nobody wants to go there. Hey, let's see Bethlehem. Let's see. Let's see the hill of the foreskin. Nobody wants to do that. That's what they called it. I'm not making this up. It's right in there. You can look it up. And so they did that with, with there are lots of guys, you know, we don't know how big the, the children of Israel at that time, uh, how many they numbered, but it was a million, maybe a million and a half. So out of that million and a half, you have lots of men that need to have that done. It's a major deal. It was a test of faith and they obeyed. And not only was it a test of faith, but this act, the Lord says, it rolled away the reproach and the taunts of Egypt. Look at verse nine. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal means circle of stones. It means wheel. It means a rolling. And God rolled away the taunts and the jeers and the reproach of Egypt. Here's what was going on. You know, when the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, I mean, it's major, major, major. Egypt is the world power and God brought them to nothing. 
through a series of 10 plagues and then wiped them out in the Red Sea. Everybody's talking about what God did. I mean, this is, these are huge miracles and the Red Sea is like the miracle of miracles and Pharaoh has been reduced to nothing. And so this was a big deal. But now when they came out, they went to Sinai, Moses got the 10 commandments. They weren't supposed to be there very long because from Sinai, then they were going to Kadesh Barnea, which is the Southern part of the promised land. And they were going to go in, but they didn't go in because of unbelief. And so God says, you're not going in then, but your sons and your daughters, they're going to go in. And so Egypt, the Egyptians heard about it and they heard that they didn't go into the promised land, that they're wandering around in the wilderness and they're dying in the wilderness. And no doubt they're saying their God was not able to bring them in. You know, when they got to Kadesh Barnea and they didn't go in, God was going to kill them all. Start over with Moses. And Moses said, Lord, he said, please don't do that. He said, I prayed for 40 days. God, don't kill your people. He said, because the Egyptians are going to hear about it and they're going to say, because the Lord was not able to bring his people in. They were already saying that stuff. Moses knew that was going to be going on. And when they didn't go in the land and they wandered around in the wilderness and people were dying in the wilderness, that was the taunt. That was the jeer. That was the shame that was heaped upon God's people and God, that God wasn't able to bring his people in. So when they cross the Jordan and they're in the promised land and they obey God with circumcision, the sign of the covenant. Lord, the Lord said that rolled away the reproach from Egypt. I did bring you in the land, just like I promised. You are my special people, just like I said. So this rolled away the reproach. Now, how, what, what does that have to do with us today? I mean, we read about circumcision in the Old Testament big time. We read about it in the New Testament because it's a very Jewish thing. And the Pharisees and scribes and all the religious leaders. I mean, that was a big deal. And when Paul, Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul, the great apostle, he's going and he's preaching and he's got people behind him, false teachers behind him called Judaizers who come in. And when Paul preaches the gospel and then leaves, they come in behind Paul and they say to the people, now, listen, you can't be a Christian until you're circumcised. You have to follow the commandments of Moses. And Paul got so mad about this because in Galatia, they came in and did that. And Paul says in Galatians chapter five, verse 12, he said, listen, circumcision doesn't mean anything. Would that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. What does that mean? He said, these guys like circumcision so much, just let them go castrate themselves. It doesn't mean anything for a believer to be circumcised. What matters is what that circumcision pictured. It was an outward symbol for an inward work in the heart. Jeremiah chapter four, verse four says this, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and remove the foreskins of your heart, men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or else my wrath will go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. What did God want his people to do? He wanted them to circumcise the heart. Now, the evidence, the sign was circumcision of the flesh. But God is always interested in the heart. God is not interested in the externals. If the heart's not right, the externals don't mean anything. Baptism is a visible picture of an invisible reality. 
The invisible reality is I've given my heart and life to Jesus. I belong to him. And, and so I'm baptized to give a picture of the fact that I died my old way of life and I have a brand new life in Jesus. Now, if you don't have a brand new life in Jesus, if you haven't died to your old way of life and have a brand new life in Jesus, baptism doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything because it has to start in the heart. Jesus said to the Pharisees, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. It's all about the heart. God doesn't see as man sees. Man sees the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So spiritual circumcision in today's world, on this side of the cross, it happens when you trust Christ as Savior and Lord. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, in him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised. It was not a circumcision performed by human hands, but it was a removal of the corrupt nature in the circumcision performed by Christ. That takes place in the heart. It takes place in the heart where you die to your old way of life and you're given a brand new life in Jesus Christ. You're listening to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve today with the message entitled, First Things First. It's from his 10-lesson series, Rising to the Challenge, a study of the book of Joshua. Hey, have you been deeply, profoundly, and frankly astonished about all the events transpiring in our nation and the world these days? So much suffering, so much sacrifice, so much hurt. There are many people who see no hope for their lives, but also we see great acts of heroism, too people who have risen to the challenge. Perhaps you want to be a spiritual hero, but you're feeling helpless and hopeless yourself. The Lord has us in His gaze, and He wants us to trust Him in the most difficult times and show our faith in His provision. God is sometimes called the God of nick of time. God is never late. He is always there for us in the nick of time. And we learn all about that in the series Rising to the Challenge, a study of the book of Joshua. And we'd like you to have a copy on USB flash drive, MP3 download, CDs, or DVDs, your choice. It's our thank you gift for your support from his heart this month. Pastor Jeff is a volunteer for this ministry, receiving no income from it. Everything you give, large or small, goes to get these messages out in your hometown and around the world. Call 866-40-BIBLE to make your gift and ask for the series Rising to the Challenge. That's 86640-BIBLE, or go online to fromhisheart.org. Your gift this month will be an investment in the hearts, heads, and homes of people around the world to help them know how to rise to the challenge. God bless you. Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm Larry Nobles, inviting you to be right back here tomorrow for the broadcast when Pastor Jeff will have part two of this biblical truth that has practical application for us today. Here's a glimpse of what's to come. See, here, here's Joshua. Joshua's got a big problem, and here's the big problem. How do you defeat Jericho? Jericho is shut up. They have walls. They, uh, historians say it's probably a double wall. It's a double-walled city. How do you fight that? So Joshua's thinking, how, how are we going to take Jericho? Well, he doesn't have to worry about taking Jericho because the Lord has come, and he's captain of the host of the Lord, and he's going to fight the battle. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve Wednesday when we complete the message, First Things First, by opening up God's Word and hearing real truth from His heart.
From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.